You're listening to the Irish Times. David was on song tonight because Sinead is where? Where's Sinead tonight? Sinead's in a concert in Dublin with Abigail. With Abigail. What's, who's playing there? Beyonce is playing. Who's, who's he? Oh, it's a she. It's a she, is it? Yeah. <laughs> is, there, is it a band? No, she's a female singer. She's on her own? She's on her own, Would there be a crowd at that? Oh, massive, massive. Tanya's taking the call. Tanya didn't go, did she? No, no, Tanya's below. She's below taking she, the call she, as she, always. Not, she, is it? Beyonce. <laughs> we'll ask Sinead about it next. <laughs> we'll ask the great Wishy Fogarty, Gavin. Of course, yeah. The great Wishy. Wishy Fogarty, uh, as everybody would have heard there, um, was a Kerry, Radio Kerry GA broadcaster. Uh, he was far more than that. He sounds like a bit of a cartoon there, and, and it's probably unfair to have used his famous uh, uh, getting uh, befuddled by having to try and pronounce Beyonce. Uh, but uh, he was this fantastic guy down in Kerry uh, who only took up broadcasting at the age of 55. Wow. Never really appeared on radio before that. He'd, been, he'd played for Kerry. He was a coach. He was a referee. Uh, he was uh, a fantastic sort of local character in, in Killarney. And then in, in, in 1996, uh, a fellow from Radio Kerry rang him and said, P- uh, Wishy, uh, you go to all the Legion games, Killarney Legion games, will you will you ring in a report? And Wishy goes, sure, I don't know how to ring in a report. How would I do that? And he says, Wishy, this is what I want from you. You come on the phone, you give the score, you give three sentences on things that have happened in the game, and then you give the score again. And all of that will take one minute. And that's what you do. And that was it. That was 1996. And he went on to become this beloved, heroic uh, GA broadcaster who was like the voice of Kerry football, uh, a really knowledgeable guy and a great fella. And um, it was very sad when I heard yesterday, Gavin, that he was dead. You, you, and you, you did a piece with him in 2015, didn't you? Well, I did a piece on, on local radio GA commentators. Uh, and he was one of them. There was him, Willie Hegarty and Ross Common and Liam Spratt in, in Wexford. And, uh, like, the, these guys are amazing. Like, yeah. you know, like, none of them ever did a journalism course, you know, none of them ever, you know, were, were taught properly how, you know, the, the all the, the, the rules that we sort of yeah. grew up with. They were just, you know, they brought their own personality to it, or they bring, indeed, Willie and Lemers. You still see them knocking around the place. And actually, when I didn't see Wishy around this summer, uh, I you kind of figured out that he wasn't, that he was in bad health or whatever. And um, they did, Joe Malloy had a great chat with him mm, down in Killarney. Was that la- not summer before? It was, uh, I think it was 2015 or or sixteen, it was one one I of think the summers. You tweeted it out, actually. Yeah, I, I tweeted it out last night, and like the art of staying quiet when someone's someone's chatting away to saying. Funny, I, t- I Joe basically sat down with him in, and like people will know the press box in Killarney looks out over the McGillicuddy reeks, and it's yeah, just it's this great, gorgeous, yeah. you know, the most beautiful vista that you could imagine. And uh, he basically sat beside Wishy and said, "What am I looking at here? I mean." Wishy said, I can see my house. Wishy can said, I can see my house, I can see Gooch's house, I can see James O'Donoghue's house. Behind me here is St. Finian's Hospital where I worked for 38 years as a psychiatric nurse. And, and the hospital, the biggest building in Kerry, set up uh, by Dr. Eamon O'Sullivan, who was the Kerry trainer who, who trained them to eight All-Irelands. Um, 
And Dr. Eamon O'Sullivan was the person who got the patients from that hospital to build Fitzgerald Stadium. Like Joe was just kind of sitting there, and this is Joe's genius. Joe was just kind of going, wow, really? Just, you know, and just let, we should keep talking and talking and talking. And it was amazing. It was fantastic radio. Uh, just for, like, this was on a Sunday, you know, 40 minutes or uh, three quarters of an hour before the Munster final. And instead of, you know, getting into the depths of, you know, will Fionn Fitzgerald be able to mark Colm O'Neill or whatever, just let Wishy talk about, you know, life and Killarney and Kerry football and all this sort of stuff. And fantastic. And Wishy was just this guy who you would always, you could ring up and say, you know, how are Kerry going and all this kind of stuff. And a real old traditionalist, you know, would have would have railed against the, you know, closing Fitzgerald Stadium for the training sessions. And he go, Maliki boy, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know anything down here, you know. <laughs> but he'd be, um, he's a great fella. And it's just a great, the world is a wee bit greyer now this morning for, for Wishy's passing. So to Wishy Aloysius Fogarty, uh, who died yesterday at 77 years old. Uh, God bless you, sir, and keep it, keep it easy where you're going. But, of course, there's only one place to really get dug into today. Jerry Thorny is in. How are you, Jerry? Good, thank you. Uh, Jerry and Gav, what a weekend, what a game. How do we feel this fantastic Monday morning, Jerry? Well, I was woken up by about, about 28 by a phone call from BBC Radio Ulster and uh, they played Jim Neely's um, commentary mm. at the end of the game mm. and he reinvoked the spirit of and the words of Willie John McBride when they beat the Lions uh, in the 70s and said, now I can die happy. <laughs> and he said, now I've... Yeah, it fairly woke me up, Gav. <laughs> fairly woke me up. Um, and I've been kind of... Lying, I was lying in bed then, I couldn't go back to sleep, obviously, after mm. that. And I was thinking about, where do you place this? Like, where you're just take a time out here now because it was an extraordinary week. The whole build up, mm. Gavel testified that it was just not the, every, tour. Yeah, the, was... every press conference was interesting, relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, the All Blacks wheeled out some heavy hitters from the start of the week. Uh, Ryan Cody and Dane Cole, as if to remind us what they did to us in 2013. Yes, yeah. Very clever. Um, just so happened that Brody Retallick and Sam Whitelock were each playing their 50 tests together at an All Blacks record. Remind us, well, they weren't there in Chicago, they were mm. two weeks later. Um, they'll remember this game, yeah, they remember this game now. And but a, a bit of an idea. Low point of the week was Ian Foster, but his comments about Bundyaki that was mm. that was unpleasant. He and was trying to be the dry key humour yeah. means I can get away with saying anything. Yeah, kind of yeah. a thing. But it wasn't nice, and it was it was good to see Bundy shove it mm. back down his throat. And yeah, then it was bad. Then yeah. just think about the, the actual game itself the, because of the 2013 near miss, because of the bad feelings from 2016. The crowd were. I don't think it was just that. There's a new. Um, decree about high tackles. The crowd vividly remember 2016, yeah. as did the players. Mm. And would um, come hell or high water, as with that step forward for the hacker from the team and from the mood in the crowd, no way were Ireland going to take a backward step this time. They weren't going to be bullied like they were in 2016. So all that added up to quite an extraordinary atmosphere. And then the, the game performance, itself, then as the game say, itself. As you say, the game itself almost mirrored the week because as you say, there was every part of the week building up was compelling. Yeah. Every mm, play in the game was compelling first minute absolutely last. like at one stage uh, there was 25 minutes gone and the score was was only 3 all mm. and you were just going how the hell have 25 minutes gone past mm. here they were gone can like we, we, that 13 minutes though was the, the was the, the line in the sand Ritalik right is their man right and he came with a bit of a run up got a bit of pace on the ball 
and Toner hit him, Toner hit him. and then Ryan hit him and then Ryan dislodged the ball from the best oh, second round in the yeah. world and then Furlong Furlong like, diving like, like a little scrum half yeah. pounces on the ball flips it up who did he flip it up to? Keen Healy what did Keen Healy do? flipped it on flipped to O'Mahony O'Mahony. O'Mahony what did O'Mahony do? Yeah, flipped yeah. it on to Bundy who ran into contact mm. going oh yes mm. I'll show you how to run into contact mm. I was looking at it going oh that was that was everything. That was mm. skill. That was in physicality. That was, and and Ritalik was just Ritalik. I think Kieran Reid was hurt for starters during mm. the game when he tried to smash Keane Healy. I think Ritalik might have get hurt because I've never seen Ritalik drop two balls in a game. No, Steve Hansen was saying yesterday that three. Sorry, Steve Hansen was saying yesterday that Ritalik was um was short of rugby and had had a huge game against England, one of the best mm. players on the pitch, mm. and just you know a week later it was just too big an ask. Mm. And uh, he'll be better for more rugby under his belt next season. He said that that was his rationale behind it. And I suppose, yeah, you just see a, be- a beast like Ritalik play as he did in Twickenham, and just presume they're gonna he can turn it on like a top a week later. And of course, these guys aren't robots on either side. You know, no, on either look, side, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're they're human beings. They're what players. Really, what really struck me about the the Ireland performance was the the real sense of cohesion. You like you don't need to. You didn't really need to, to to know the ins and outs, the very depths of rugby tactics, to know that each player was doing the right thing. This is Joe Schmidt's way, and it's yeah. the Andy Farrell way, it's yeah. the Simon Easterby way, it's the Greg Feek way. Everybody's tuned into what exactly where they need to be in the pitch. So it is that you get late changes in the Irish team, and it has absolutely negligible effect. And that's why you have to serve your time in, under Joe Schmidt as well, in the camp, in the squad, learning everything. You have to do your homework, you have to be constantly on the laptop. My vivid recollection of Tiernan O'Halloran and the South African tour is constantly going around on his phone, you know, because wow. he was doing this crash course in the Joe yeah. Schmidt way. Um, it's why Will Ad- it's why Ty Byrne has to wait his time and sit in the stand and watch that on now he's even more everybody who wasn't in that 23 desperately now wants to get into it again including those who just come into the squad good luck to move, removing Dev Toner though yeah you? well De- no no player's reputation has been more enhanced this past month than Devon Toner <laughs> yeah. what a quite game. extraordinary what a game he had and afterwards he was trying to give all the credit for the Ritalic hit to James Ryan we were like will you cut it out <laughs> cut it out you got your shoulder in there on the big on the big second round and he was like no nah, no every press conference I do I just talk about how great James Ryan is. <laughs> James Ryan is great James Ryan has proved himself one of the best players in the world but uh, Dev Toner without his set piece we saw it against Argentina I think I don't even know if he was there planning on playing him I think they wanted to go Henderson and Ryan you're the locks quite possibly take quite it possibly, forward quite possibly and Dev is to get out of jail car but he's not anymore but he, in his absence as much as his presence mm. his value has been underlined the last 20 minutes two lineouts oh, lost yeah. on our own throw mm-hmm. now admittedly Omani wasn't on the pitch as well yes. and Omani's a great go-to yeah. man as well he was the one who won the lineout that led to the switchback move and Bundy's pass mm-hmm. to Jacob Stockdale for that brilliantly worked try he won the turnover in the first place Omani 10 out of 10 like you know Omani Omani for me was an absolute deserving choice of, of, of uh, man the match and then you see him interviewed in the pitch and the little table beside on the screen that says seven tackles <laughs> two turnovers four lineouts anybody just walking in might go how did he get man the match yeah. Peter Manny is not a statistic. Never has been a statistic, never will be. Just like Anthony Foley before him and others before him. Yeah, statistics on. damn lies in statistics. He is a big moment man. He sees the moment. His, his big plays are at key, key moments. Like that diving goalkeeper save from the Bowden Barrett kick through. The two turnover penalties. The first one was possibly mm. Mm, mm. arms on the ground on first. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever yeah, about that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even so, there were massive. One led, one, they both relieved all black sieges and one led to the I line saw, that led to the try. I saw a great line about him in one of the papers yesterday. I don't know where 
Kavar said that he's a curious type of rugby player. He's a great player who doesn't look like a great player. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was it. You know, and, he's not and as exa- big as his, most of his opponents, yeah. everything, but... Um, he's I, skillful on the ball, Gabney. He doesn't go after great hands anymore. He used to be this absolute animal. He'd go, I'm going to fight you. Mm. you know, he doesn't fight the, the, the opposite number anymore. Right. He goes for the ball. Yeah. He's experienced now, of course. He used to he? target the man, and it was what we loved about him, but he targets the ball. He's experienced now, Gav, isn't he? You know what I mean? He's learned his own body, he's learned more about the game. He plays 63, 65 minutes, though, as well, before mm. he gets done. Do you know what I found quite interesting was, right? What I saw was, are all things possible? Can Ireland win a World Cup? And you go, after this November already, Murray never got back. Henshaw didn't make it. Levy, O'Brien, Carney, and O'Mahony, and probably Keane Healy. None of them will be able to play rugby next week. Okay, so we've played two massive test matches mm-hmm. to win a World Cup you need to win three massive actually five probably but you definitely have to win the one two quarter semi-final mm-hmm. we'd be going to a World Cup final now without is Sexton okay is Keane Healy okay no Carney no Manny no Brian no Levy no Henshaw no Murray now we know our squad depth is good enough to, to win a lot of matches but can you win a World Cup final without those players that's the thing that's going to test us now having said that the Oblacks have lost well I was just going to say the flip side of that is that attrition is not an exclusive thing to us. This everybody, thing gets, everybody gets attrition. Well, we do a little bit more than others, I think, because that's what I've noticed over the years. That we, we, that was what ha- happened to us in 2015. We lost mm. key players and couldn't recover. And Joe went, "I'm going to build a squad. Completely. So if that ever happens again, mm. that we're ready for it." Now we, we didn't beat the All Blacks <clears throat> without Connor Murray. You know, without Sean O'Brien or Dan Levy. Or Henshaw. Well, hang on, Josh Fraley. Well, Henshaw, like at least Bundyaki, you know, he's a, mm. he's a quality replacement. But like Conor Murray, you would have thought was one of the three or four key. He was a key component in the Lions drawn series down in the All Blacks. You know so what I mean? What did we learn there, Jerry? Kieran Marmion and Luke McGrath, they were... Marmion's exit kicking put us under a little bit of pressure at all like that. But I think that guy played to his limit. And I think there was a little flick pass he did and all mm-hmm. that. I thought Luke McGrath came on and he's brought another... He's brought a level of physicality to his game. Ten tackles in 20 minutes. And, but he's excellent. And his, his physicality for a small guy, he's, he looked bigger. I saw him when he tagged on the pitch before and I was like, oh my God, is that Luke McGrath? So the two of them have... It is definitely not. It's the place where we don't have a world class replacement. But Marmion and McGrath, I've, I don't have major concerns. I've, I've lot, lots more confidence. I think the Irish management coaches do as well after Argentina. And well, in his last three starts against Tier One nations, Marmion has been part of wins against England, Argentina, and the All Blacks. Take that. He's doing something right, and right. I thought he did, did fine. Right. I mean, a lot of the, the some of the box kicking was absolutely on the money. Yeah. Rob Carney got one back in the opposition twenty-two once or twice. They wanted the, they were brilliant in the air. McKenzie and Barrett and Smith. McKenzie was great, superb yeah. in the air. Yeah. And Luke McGrath, a couple of box kicks that the All Blacks retrieved as well. It wasn't yeah. exclusively Marmion. Yeah. You know, England box kicked brilliantly against the All Blacks week before, but there's still a couple that they won and ran back. They're just brilliant in the air, the All Blacks as well. They like, we weren't playing a team of dummies. No. <laughs> Talk to me about the All Blacks, what, the, what their performance was like on the weekend. Well, you've mentioned a few just kind of drops, handing errors, that kind of thing. What really struck me was that um, after Paranara came on, Mm-hmm. They seem to be a different team. They seem to have a different kind changes of... changes the tempo for them, you know. That's always been the thing that they do. But that, uh, and, uh, and now maybe it was because Ireland made them look a little slower, a little more pedestrian beforehand. But like he made, he seemed to make an awful lot of difference. I think he might replace Aaron Smith. It's a close, it's a bigger conversation. Funny, I was watching the game and thinking it's a bigger conversation than ever been before. But Aaron Smith's passing is still brilliant, and they were on top more. They had more possession and more territory in the second half. And I always think that the one position off a bench that should have the most obvious, discernible impact is scrum half because he's coming on fresh around the hour mark, and generally they do up the tempo. And it doesn't matter which order you do it in; they should always up the tempo. I'm sure if Aaron Smith came on for. TJ Perinara, he would up the tempo with that laser gun pass. 
but there was a few other factors at work as well. You they know what I mean? Yeah, so they were hunting. They were yeah, coming. They were so coming. Let's go back to, to what they were like in the first half. Then yeah, they were they were they were rattled, no doubt about it. I, you know, you, you mentioned Brody Vitalik dropping the ball three times. I've never seen Kieran Reid fail to pick up a ball that was a try begging or drop another one. Bowen Barrett looked a little bit rattled at times. Um, they Steve Hansen yesterday said they were they're trying to evolve a new way of playing. They're doing new things, which even confused. I think are even surprised some of the New Zealand media because he then wouldn't clarify talking to one member of the backup somebody who knows the All Blacks set up pretty well and they're, they're, they're basically going for the kill sooner they're a little bit more impatient there for as a result, as a result. Uh, they're trying to make more decisions to score tries and penetrate defence quicker um, they assert that they possibly pushed the envelope a little bit once or twice too soon they were very close to a number of tries. That lovely move over the line at top, Rico Yanni coming through, mm-hmm. he gets that away to Aaron Smith, try. Kieran Reid picks that ball up, good you try. You know, um, Peter yeah, Omani doesn't do, Omani, yeah. Omani's save. You know, they, they took their chances mm. in 2016. I think both coaches actually would agree that Ireland had about two chances. Right. New Zealand had about four. But what Ireland Oma- took one of theirs, New Zealand didn't take one of theirs. And now, so go on, yeah? No, but what Omani did, yeah. to, like that is a try... 999 times out of a thousand. If you For watch ben it, Smith, if that you is watch, a try. If you watch, and Mahoney, who was injured, who could barely walk, yeah. literally could barely walk at half time, okay? He couldn't do any, t- yeah. couldn't get involved in the tactics at half time, Joe told us, because he had to make sure he kept his body moving so he could actually play he on. He wouldn't seize up. And 20 minutes later, after yeah. another, after some of the most un, yeah. like they were hitting him in the neck and the head because yeah. he was getting over ball, and he turns and He's a freak of nature. He gets back and gets his hands, both his hands on a ball that is just. Barrett, Ben Smith, try. If you ben watch Smith that back, Ben Smith's eyes were lighting up. He thought, <laughs> I have a try here. Do you, know who, do you know who assured it was a try? The cameraman behind the goals. Because yeah. if yeah. you watch it back, watch the replay from behind the goals, there's a perceptible shift of the camera because he thinks that Ben Smith is gone. Mm. Mm. And Omahani has just grabbed And the great thing about Omahani, and the great thing about in that instance, he then has the presence of mind when you look at it again in slow yeah. motion. Yeah. To see where's the, where the next All Black coming from, regather the ball, get to his feet, and fight in the ground to present the ball. So somebody come in and clear out. Like that's classic Joe Schmidt, Ireland. You know their 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 ball presentation, their work on the ground, the clearing out everything. But he had the presence of mind to know what to do next as well. He two minutes later, he again he I, he saved his country when they were <laughs> his coming. Country. We have to say he did. He saved the, he saved the island from ruin. <laughs> but he got over the ball. They, they were coming again, and it was they were definitely going to score this time. They were going, "This is our one." Mm. And this is when I think he broke their spirit because it was their sub loose so head. In, yeah, yeah. He got, he got in, in over him, him. Yeah. and Rory Best, in fairness, got in over him as well. Rory Best Absolutely. was second into a lot of these things. Yeah. I know he made a couple of mistakes and gave uh, contributed to their early points in the first half. Um. They again, they they cheap shot at him. Ben Smith landed a shoulder in on him after the whistle and all that. His hamstring or leg or whatever was gone, and he had to come off the pitch. You could barely walk off. It was a good sixty-three minutes, though. It was a. It's been a funny November in that. It's great that the young talent is coming through, like guys who weren't involved in Chicago, who were in academies almost then, like James Ryan, Jacob Stockdale, Stockdale Andrew Porter. Gary Ringrose didn't Same play. I didn't realise this was Gary Ringrose's first start against the All Blacks. He was only on the bench two weeks later in the Aviva. That's his first start. Yeah. And I want to say something about Gary Ringrose, because if it wasn't for Peter Armani, I seriously would have considered voting him man of the match. I thought the he was outstanding, Maliki. I watched him closely. He made 14 tackles. Some of his reading, and the out- that is the most important defensive position on the pitch, outside centre. 
and he makes the right call so many times. He reads the play and he either went shoot up or drift or outside in, cut it off. The one he on was Squire, Jerry, below us. Yes. Remember the one on Squire yeah. when he got across? Yeah. And that was just one of those New Zealand hands, hands, hands try and Ringrose closed the gap and got in and hit him low. He also put in a beautiful grubber into the corner yes. which um, Keith Earls and Rob Connie turned into attacking throw which might have been the game. Might have been another better, try. I don't know a better centre in the world and right now. Gav. His passing, it was one brilliant left to right pass and one brilliant right to left pass from which Jacob Stockdale got around Ben Smith as well. He had almost a complete game, Gary dur- durability, durability is the thing with Ringrose now. Can he get through five Six Nations matches? Because we're going to need him to get through five. We should give more of himself as a person. Who, is, who are these guys? <laughs> you know, we just don't know them. Gary Ringrose, uh, he's gotten, James he's Ryan. a little bit better. Oh. James Ryan, I think, will end up to, uh, talking to us a lot. Yeah, I think so, yeah. But, uh, he's got a lovely, uh, his family history and all that. Yeah. I think he was just getting his feet under the table. Because I think he'll be a captain, so I think he'll have to and, speak to us. But the other thing I wanted to run past you, and you've been calling for Rory Best's head almost. You thought Devin Toner might lose his place. Yeah. Rob Carney, we all thought we'd be overtaken by Jordan Larmer. In actual fact, lose his place to Jordan Larmer. No, but you know what I mean. That, in actual fact, this month has all, as well as bringing this new breed mm-hmm. and reaffirming their their future in the team. It's actually reaffirmed the value of some of the older guard as well, like Rob Carney, Devon Toner, Rory Best, Peter Armani. Well, nobody is taking Rory Best's position off because not, Scannell and Crowland haven't done enough to go, we're going to take it off you. But, but Rory, Rory Best is kind of inextricably linked with Dev Toner, isn't it? Yeah. When Dev's on the pitch, yeah, the Rory plays look, better. The two of them are looking after each other. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's, an interesting, there's an interesting sense now. I, I, I wrote a kind of a tongue-in-cheek column in, in the paper no, this that was morning. Serious. About, uh, yeah. row but, about, but about how this, you know, this is the worst thing that can happen, you know, mm. everybody gets carried away, blah, mm. blah, blah. But I, of course, exempted the players from it. If you look at these players, Tyke Furlong has played the All Blacks six, six times. Six times, won three, drawn one, lost two. He's got a winning record. A winning record. How many Driscoll played him? I don't know, about 13 <laughs> times. Dungal Callan, 13 times. Andy, Holly double figures, never uh, beat them once. Andy Farrell's defence has Whoa. kept New Zealand trialists in two games. Yep, two games. In this, this coach. alliance. So, like the the sense now, they they have a they have a, a a record now against the All Blacks in between the World Cups, mm. that is positive. Yep, absolutely. This, this all of that. Good. This is like this is the sort of thing that is worth getting carried away with. This is the sort of thing that that you can absolutely see the worth of this going forward to next well, year. Well, I don't think this makes them the number one side. We feel on top of the world, mm. but there's a difference between feeling on top of the world and being on top of the world. Mm. That'll We'll know that in 12 months' Let's time. see how they cope yes. with it. As exactly, yeah, exactly. I think they'll cope fine with it. I don't think they have a problem with it at all. I think they'll cope fine. Although it is uncharted territory, Irish rugby has never known it so good. This mm. is coming after a Grand Slam, mm. Leinster's double, series win in Australia. And now they've backed it up. What I loved about the win on Saturday was it franks that win in Chicago. It means there was no fluke. There was always an asterisk beside it. It happened in neutral ground. All blacks, we've always been here. Ah, they didn't quite have their eye on the ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. White Lock and Metallic yeah. were in play. That's all done and dusted yeah. now. That's two wins and three. Yeah. You know, that's... that's, that's in, we were in the mix zone after the game and the All Blacks were coming in and they'd just done the press conference and Keith Duggan was there and he turned around and he goes... God, they don't seem that bothered that they've lost, and we were like, "Yeah, yeah, they like they, it's kind of this, the, the whole thing about the benefit of New Zealand losing these games." And Keith was like, "Yeah, it's like we're about to enter this really dark forest." Johnny Waters, we're looking to keep going. All right, uh, okay, go away and write about the All Blacks. They were looking forward to reading that on Monday. I was like, "Jesus Christ, they will the learn." Point, the point is yeah, there, though. You know what I mean? The ominousness, and here we go. We're go- they're still the best side in the world. Mm. They've been number ranked number one for nine years. They're back-to-back world champions. Mm. You know, I think Ireland. 
what's done is definitely cemented Ireland as number two in the world. Oh, but don't doubt that. And, and Darcy made the point last week now, and a couple of people have made it. Now we're going um, into a Six Nations where everyone is coming first. Mm. Like the way everyone play, get, gets 20% better when they play the All Blacks. And mm. again, it's Serena Williams, yeah. Roger Federer, whoever. Now when we play, little old Ireland, the small country that, uh, when we go play rugby, uh, other rugby nations now, they're going, we have to topple these guys. You know where we got a sense of that? I got a sense of that in Toulouse. To lose against Leinster. Leinster are the, the, the top dogs now yeah. in European club yeah. rugby as well. Yeah. It's a microcosm of where Ireland are going to be at in the Six yeah. Nations. And to lose, I said Denier, was never so jammed, rocking and atmospheric in a couple of years, according to locals. And Toulouse produced their most inspired performance of the season by a mile, which was a bit like the compliment to the All Blacks yeah. of last yeah. Saturday, because, you know, that's what they are, the All Blacks. The reason we're so excited is a compliment to the All Blacks and what they represent in the history of the game. Similarly now, Leinster are are the top dogs in Europe yeah. to be shot at. It's like Jordan's and Bulls. But the players... Yeah, that's absolutely yeah, right. Aren't, England are going to come over down, opening yeah. weekend. Whoa. You know, we're not, we're not Jordan's Bulls yet, though. But no, uh, no, no. But there's a sense are, of occasion. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but they're already gunning for us now. That makes uh, it more of a oh, that's going to be a great game. It's first, isn't it? Yeah, first. The, the players can cope with it. The coaches can cope with it. Yeah. It's the Irish public because I remember even late, mm. late Saturday nights, lads were still talking about. Um, they couldn't get their heads around that we've we've gone on to this, and we're going to talk about the uh, the opposite effect of in the football. But they, we can't get their heads around the fact that we are a leading nation, mm. and we are, and it's just, and it's sustainable now, and it's proven that yep. it's sustainable. And I was like talking about like I think dubs have gotten used to it, but it's mm. still weird, you know mm. what I mean? And, it, it, and very un Irish. You still feel it can go away, but it's not mm. un Irish anymore because it's no. re, it's reality. Yeah. So mm. we just have to cope with it. We have to learn together because the players have. But and it's not all about Schmidt. He's laid the foundations and all that because oh, he is. I, I think he's. I think he might leave. You know what I mean? Dude, that's what I was going to ask next. Like dude, these announcements are coming now in the next month. Him and Steve Hansen. What like what sense do we have? Well, it, the coming? fact that he that Joe keeps. Referring to this being a family decision rather than a rugby decision he leads me to think to that he them, yeah. yeah leads me to believe that he will um, move on after the World Cup. Right. To be honest, now I don't know this to be so. Mm. Um, it's just you know educated guesswork yes. as such. Yes. But just reading between it's the lines, better you two all, guessing than me. Well, guessing. Okay, yeah. well that's that's just everything he said so far right. would lead me to that point of view that it's a family decision. Here's what not we, a rugby decision. That, that for some reason they've I mean they've been away eleven years. Yes. You know. They've been away almost three World Cup cycles. Yeah. He'll have done virtually two full World Cup cycles. He'll probably feel that's enough. Because remember, he did really prevaricate over his last renewal of contract mm. amid real worries that the Rob Carney, Sean O'Brien, Johnny Sex and so forth have just been listening to him for too long. Mm. That really concerns him. Yeah, here's what we know, right? Um, at Steve Hansen's going to make an announcement in the next couple of weeks as well. He's been in the... All, by the end of the World Cup, he'll be part of the all-black coaching ticket for 15 years mm. since Henry brought him as an assistant coach, okay? So he's going to maybe move on or maybe go back to some kind of normalcy because when you're all-blacks coach, you have no normalcy in your life. Joe, he's not going to do five World Cup cycles. Yes, he's not going to do so, fifth. Look, you know, no, and, and the New Zealand on. media were reporting that they went after Joe to replace Wayne Smith as their tech coach for the Lions series and he said no. Steve Chu, the CEO of New Zealand Rugby, has said very clearly that the thing about how you have to come back into the system we might make it if some if some Kiwi coach comes along and wins a World Cup or something like that we might make a difference for that and all that I think and I don't know I think the deal's done I think Joe's the All Blacks coach who's going to replace Steve Hansen I, I wouldn't go that it. far I think black tracksuit from that was the next time we see him after Japan 2019 I, I would I would disassociate I think, I, if Gaz <laughs> right fair play to him but I don't and think I, I don't think the deal's been done yet I, 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 no, I, think, I don't think there's anything being signed or like that I don't and, and I think Andy Farrell I think has to be a, a head coach for his next contract I think his next move 
they're all signed. The whole of the Ireland coaching ticket is signed after, till after the World Cup, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They got Easterby and all those guys. Mm-hmm. And they, I think Andy Farrell's defensive achievements can get him a lot of top head coaching jobs mm-hmm. in the world now after what he's done with the Lions in Ireland. Well, I think his next job has to be a number one. And, and I think if Lancaster was to come aboard... I think Lancaster would be quite happy with the role reversal because when he was head coach of England, he spent 90% of the time off the pitch and only 10% on the pitch. Now since he's been Leinster head coach, Leo does, you know, the top dog stuff and he just gets to train with the players, coach the players. And that's what he is. He's a good coach, Lancaster. So I think that that could be the the future set up. And it's also, Lancaster's turned down the chance to go back to England. Mm. And Joe's turned down plenty of offers from abroad, including the chance to go back to New Zealand, which shows what a good coaching ticket it is. Well, these are, these are, there, yeah. these are worries for another day. For yeah. today, let's luxuriate. Mm-hmm. These days don't come on, come around very often and what a weekend, what a game. And it was such a fantastic game. Like, even as a neutral, if you were at all neutral from another country watching that, what a, what a piece of sport it was. But we can luxuriate on Monday morning having beaten the All Blacks. Yeah, it, was good, it was good fun, yeah. yeah. First time ever in 114 years. It's a great night. I'd say so. It was a great night. <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. Thank you, lads. Take Cheers. it easy. Be good. Our other national sporting team are also involved in endeavours just now and Emmett Malone is out in Aarhus in Denmark for tonight's Nations League game. Uh, how are you Emmett? Oh great, great market, yeah fantastic. Uh, I would imagine, so how uh, how are things these days? Well things things could probably be better <laughs> as, um, as, as Ken highlights uh, pretty well in his piece of the paper yeah. this morning, uh, the rugby uh, team are providing us somewhat, you know, we're all, we're all rooting for them and everything. We're all thrilled for them. We're all delighted. We're all proud. But, but it's a slightly unwelcome counterpoint to how the football team are doing right now. Uh, so, um, w- w- you know, regardless, I think, of what happens here tonight, the team will be viewed as having had a, a poorish year. And... Um, and I think, you know, when you're looking at this team, the, the way things are panning out tonight, the only thing that would encourage you to think that they might finish it on a relative high would be that the Danes have absolutely nothing to play for. Uh, in a group, in a competition that only consisted of four games each, we're completely out of the running for anything uh, after yeah. three. And uh, we're, being, we're about to be relegated to... Um, to a group, to a league next time where the games are, are you know, less attractive and more unimportant. And, um, the abyss. And we, have mis- we are going to be uh, third seeds in the European Championship uh, draw next month. So all, all told, it's, it's not really great. But yeah. if we find a goal scorer, it'll be all okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, look I, I really like Ken's piece. I think there's a, a lot in it and yeah. there'll, be, there'll, there'll be stuff I would, I would take issue with. I mean, I... I, I think the fact that we don't have a, a goal scorer is probably an issue but there is absolutely no doubt on the other hand like I mean Callum Doyle or sorry Callum Robinson sorry uh, the other night I mean his problem was not you know Ireland's problem was not that he could not finish um, it was that there was you know virtually no play in the final third of the pitch I mean he, Robbie Keane could have been up there with Don Givens Niall Quinn and <laughs> you know and Maradona and we weren't scoring any goals you went. You, you wrote a good piece on Saturday, Emmett, about the under 15s and all that. Um, so people want Thanks. people want to know about hope. You know, they want to know that there's something that this is all going to yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Give it a decade, lads, and we're we're sweet. You know? um, deadly. Yeah. Look, I, I, look. 
I think it's an interesting process. I mean, the FAI is in a situation where I would be, uh, you know, I'd be critical of the FAI in a lot of respects. Um, but they are they are trying to they are trying to kind of lay down some sort of foundation with these young players. The piece for those people who didn't see it was, you know, about about the first day at international training with the uh, under 15 team, Jason Donahue's team. And uh, and it was a really interesting day, not not be necessarily because the the, the, the players did their first ever kind of, you know, tactical analysis of one of the Irish coaches where Jason was, uh, you know, in, in relation to uh, Ken's piece this morning, talking about overloading, you know, the opposition on one side or the other and trying to kind of attack from the other or being overloaded and, you know, countering that and working hard to make sure you're not overloaded, all that sort of stuff. So it, it's kind of interesting that, that he touched upon that because, you you know, I don't know for sure what what um, what Martin O'Neill does with the senior team. Um I, I still just find it hard deep down to accept that somebody who had the success that he had as a club manager is is that fundamentally, you know, planless, you know, that that it's real kind of, you know, it's, it's just go out there and give it give it socks, lads, you know. Uh, so, you know, if the under the, but the under 15 coach is talking about these things to his players. And then and, I, and then, you know, I, I appreciate that it's a very different structure and, a, you know, a different very background and all sorts of different things. But um, it seems or it would seem remarkable if a senior team coach wasn't talking about those things, which are really pretty fundamental in football at this stage. But but anyway, look, I, I, I don't know for sure, because uh, you get mixed messages. And when I tried to tackle uh, O'Neill about it face to face, he became quite animated and was mm. was sort of and really deeply annoyed that they would be suggested the players were, were going out and not knowing exactly what they were to do. But anyway, look, the debate continues on that. For sure, uh, but the but with the under fifteen team, um, yeah, they do this. They come in. They they the coaches talk to not just the players but to the parents about what's involved. And um, and it was it was it was uh, I thought a really interesting insight. They're they're quite you know frank with them. Um, it's a mix of things. It's a mix of things about you know how to develop as as players and and develop physically at home. Talking to parents about kind of the fuel that they need, the food, the proper food they need to uh, develop physically. A lot of it still revolves around it was funny at that stage. They haven't signed for British clubs yet. The ones that will go haven't gone yet. There, a lot of them are having trials, and a lot of the talk was about being prepared for those trials to to kind of uh, get stronger, to get fitter. Because when you go over to these things, you're dealing with with players at English clubs that are already doing you know far heavier workloads uh, on a weekly basis, and therefore that that bit more capable of getting through those trials, mm. competing with those kids, and so so you know so there is that. That aspect of it. There is also the aspect that they're talking about the national leagues in Ireland, the under 15, under 17, under 19, the under 13 is about to start, and and on how all that will transfer transform the landscape, um, or how it is already doing so. And all of those things are very positive. But clearly, I mean, you know, we still have the situation where those leagues are seen as the um, as the future of, of youth development for us, or certainly a cornerstone of it. Uh, the clubs last week were talking about you know banning. Banning kids coming over uh, under 18. Uh, and that, that just shows how all of that end of things that we have depended on for so long could be taken away from us at any minute. And uh, and we really are going to have to rely on our own ability to talk, to develop players. And the FAI have acknowledged the importance of those national leagues. And yet, you know, for an organization that where John Delaney consistently claims they, they are fine financially, they have loads of money, they can, you know, they, they can be debt free by 2020, whatever. Those things are not receiving the sort of investment that they need, mm. and uh, and where you know there are countries across Europe doing exactly what we are doing. There are countries across Europe doing a whole lot more 
uh, because they are put, pumping money into the system. Uh, and, and obviously, many of them have clubs, league clubs that are in much better shape than ours and have academies that have, you know, independent investment going into them. Uh, and we have very, very little. I mean, you know, Shamrock Rovers have done great work, but it's kind of a bit sad how much people shout about them and, and, and cheer them on because they're, 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 they're kind of out there on their own in setting, you know, getting the premises and, you know, establishing an academy that would be recognisably seen as one by a continental club. So, look, we have, we have a long way yeah. to go. Um, I, I think the numbers, the other thing about those things is there was 18 kids there. And the numbers would suggest that if we if 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 two of them pop out the other side, we'll have done really really well. But but if we popped out with two every year and they were of a sufficiently high caliber, then that's really all we need. Um, but um, but it's a long long road before those, those sort that sort of work. Yeah. Uh, pays and as them. as ever, Emmett, we 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 find ourselves you know uh, uh, watching the senior team and talking about what's being done to improve it a, a decade from now. And, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It is, it's because of our frustrations at, at at what we're looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, no, but no one's really looking thing. anymore, are they? A lot of people have just gone. The the the, the drifting fan has disappeared, haven't they? Like just stands last week, they were empty, weren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a, there's a lot. There's a, yeah. There's a bit going on behind that that as well. I mean, I mean, there was a lot of talk that a lot of tickets were given out by, to schoolboy clubs for the games against Denmark and and, and Wales, and then partly because that seemed to do the rounds a bit. Uh, they seem not to have given out games for the Northern Ireland or tickets for the Northern Ireland game, which uh, hit the crowd. Um, they claim seventeen thousand season ticket holders, um, <coughs> which I, you know, I'm not, I'm not disputing. Um, but it doesn't seem that a whole lot of uh, floating voters are are uh, are back in the team. Um, and it's, you know, it's hard to it's hard to blame them um, at the moment. Uh, there's a kind of fatal combination of of the team not playing attractive football and not getting results. And um, and there's there's no, you know, I mean, all the kind of joking aside, there's just no kind of buzz or anything around mm. the team. And it's, it, it seems remarkable that there's some suggesting it's going to be 1500 in the in the ground tonight, and and that that seems re- really remarkable. But there is a breed of Irish supporter who just does the away trips regardless, mm. um, and uh, and there's very little to do with. Success. Or you know, uh, in fact, you could argue for some of them it has little enough to do with football. But um, but you know, they they they, they do, do do the trips. It's a kind of uh, they enjoy traveling and whatever. You know, the, the bit the bit of crack they have on the road or whatever. Um, and they they're there come hell or high water. So, but we're down to the bare bones it seems uh, supporter wise at the moment. Um, and that's uh, things have probably been in decline for quite some time uh, yeah. back at home. I mean, there were a lot of people. Seemed to be turned off by the Trapatoni era. Uh, there was a, a bit of a bump when O'Neill came in, but but the the, the honeymoon is most certainly over. You know, he needs to uh, turn thing, turn things around. The team need to improve dramatically, um, and the early stages of the European Championship campaign now will be absolutely vital. Tell me this, Emmett. Do you get a sense from any, or do you get any sense that that he feels there's a crisis? Uh, well, he certainly, I don't think he could come in front of us and say it's a crisis, but he certainly accepts that things aren't good enough and that there's a problem and that he repeatedly finds himself having to say that he still believes he's the person to turn this around. And that's not something that think that, that, that somebody says if they think uh, things are, are fundamentally okay. Yeah, no, I, I think there's definitely an acceptance that the team is in, in considerable trouble. Um, it's uh, had, I think, uh, statistically... Up until this game, it's worst year since I think some like saying nineteen eighty two. A lot of the games he makes the point, and I think there is some validity to it that um, they've taken half decent friendly games. Um, 
And so, the, you know, he's not too concerned about the stats of them, that the idea has been to improve the team uh, rather than worry about their results and statistics in the short term. That's kind of fine insofar as it goes, except the only team we've beaten so far this year has been a, a very, very makeshift USA team. Um, and there has been no improvement. You know, Emmett, has, been really, has he ever been this lost no in his career? Has O'Neill ever been this, uh, in this much trouble in, in his managerial career where... It looks like uh, yeah, he's devoid well, of ideas. Look, I mean, Sunderland, Sunderland that ended badly for him, for sure, you know, and uh, and he was still... He How was, long did that was, go on, though? He was you know packing I mean? his gear in, uh, in in Sunderland and walking out the door still mumbling about the fact that he could have turned that around, you know, but uh, the club the club did what clubs do and they uh, they, they they played it safe and um, uh, they wanted a new manager who they hoped would provide a lift and who would get them out of trouble. And, I, I you know, I don't think he had too many complaints, although he still complains. Um... <laughs> The situation here is that people want want Delaney and the FAI to do the same, but um, but the the amounts of money involved, you know, are are far greater for the FAI in terms of what you know, relatively speaking, what they would have to pay to pay off his contract, and um, and I'm not so sure they're convinced that there would be that bump. You get rid of him now, you've got three four months before the first games of the qualifying campaign. He has got us to playoffs on on. Both of the occasions he's seen the, the overseen the team in a campaign, and in one of those we get to a European Championship. The European Championship now is absolutely vital. They're essentially paying the management team, O'Neill, Keane, the rest of the boys. They're pretty much paying them what they could expect to uh, get from a European Championship qualification over the four-year cycle. Hmm. Um, that's kind of okay if they deliver it, and then the FAI benefits in a variety of other ways. But my God, if they, if they don't deliver it, they look like a, a, an expensive luxury. What is there to uh, to be got from tonight? What um, what are we looking out for? Positivity, Malik. Yeah. Positivity. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't. I don't think there's a whole lot more than that. I mean, you know, uh, Staunton came here four years ago or ten years ago, and they won four nil. You know, um, remember, uh, Robbie yeah. Keane scored a goal mm. after half an hour. It's very unlikely. I remember this, the Danish journalists afterwards just being stunned. They could not believe they'd been beaten four nil. I think. I think I'm right in saying it was at the time that their worst defeat at home. But I, I could be wrong about that. But it was some. I mean, they were just they were, were shell shocked in the press conferences afterwards, and and uh, the Irish journalists were pretty surprised too. To be fair. Um, <laughs> it was a really good night, but um, but Staunton was still gone four games later, yeah. uh, only one of which was lost. Um, so the, the thing was that he came into it under a cloud. Steve there were already people calling for him to go. And um, and despite that big win here, it really didn't do that much to um, to kind of uh, to get the wolf in the door because essentially, you know, he was uh, he, he, he was seen as not really mattering. And I think this evening will be seen as not really mattering. So in that sort of sense, in the sense of the results, I think O'Neill is kind of on a hiding to nothing. Um, if he won, it would be great. I mean, it would definitely be a boosted confidence for the team. I mean, just to score a couple of goals or whatever. But the Danes are going to rotate uh, their team. Christian Eriksen looks like he's going to start assuming he came through training last night. Okay, uh, but the rest of the team will be depleted. Uh, you know, Thomas Delaney and Casper Schmeichel are, Schmeichel are out. Uh, Simon Bjorn, the um, Karen, the uh, captain, is is out injured. So, and there will be other changes as well. I think so. It's going to be quite a significantly weak inside. So, you know, that will be the first thing to point out if if Ireland do win. But that in itself still looks rather unlikely. We haven't scored a goal in three games. I think we got a couple of those and lost. 3-2 in a strange sort of way it would almost be you know um, it would almost be as, as positive or more yeah. positive in some ways than a nil-all draw uh, they, they need to score goals they need to show that they can hold on to the ball in midfield and 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 keep possession in the opposition half build a bit of pressure uh, and and look composed um, look like a team that, that you know I mean again the thing is 
endlessly that O'Neill is um, is uh, criticised for not having a plan. Tonight, his players really look to need need to look like they have one. Well, enjoy. We're and, all behind you, and uh, <laughs> we will enjoy at this end. And uh, for that is what we must do. Uh, thank you very much, Emmett, and uh, thank you to Jerry, who was in earlier talking about the rugby. Thank you to Jenny behind the desk. Thank you to you, Gav. My pleasure. And we'll see everybody next week. Take it easy, folks.